That must be the quickest intro we've ever done, you know that. Oh, I know, I know. So, the first thing we do, the first thing we'll need to do is before, oh, fuck's sake, it started already. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing that deliberately, so I know. you get some outtakes. Exactly, that exactly. I'm, I'm far too professional these days for you to get all these outtakes here, having to make a muck at just to get some. I'm glad you said these days there because I just put up <laughs> one of the outdate compilations and it was you farting, so... That, that was the me. That that was the squeaky chair I was sitting on. <laughs> Sorry, burpage again. Oh, pardon me. I was talking about your professionalism earlier. Exactly, that's shocking. <laughs> I, I don't think it was David. Dave, I called you David there. That was your Sunday name. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. I don't that's think usually it... when I've done something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I keep getting distracted with that. I know, shocking. Put your phone down, man. <laughs> so, another classic match will be done the next time. Another classic match will be out there. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> so, see, see, when you're doing your rants, Derek, and you're doing the serious stuff, there's never any issues, do you know what I mean? There's never any issues, but then when you do something straightforward like that, that's, that's when the problem's coming. Exactly. You're going to be like the wonky donkey. Something will be added the on every time. wonky donkey. You never heard of that one? <laughs> look it up there's a video on YouTube of a I don't like... want to Derek I do not want to look at any videos that you recommend as getting to do with donkeys right I'm not <laughs> going to be looking at that definitely definitely not no it's certainly not about our old colleague Andrew anyway <laughs> <laughs> still gets a mention every now and then eh? absolutely so we'll move into the news I generally don't know if I'd said that already, to be honest. <laughs> what? Into so, the news? Into the news, aye. Right, okay. No, I don't think you have. No. So, into the news. So, now in time to the news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake, right. It, it, it just sounded so bad the last time I heard it. Was be- it was better when you used to get Trevor McDonald to date, Derek. Let's oh, be no. honest. Yeah. Bring back Trevor. From EastEnders. I've got no idea you're on about. Oh, Danny Day, your bumming Mike. Uh, what's his name impersonation, Derek? I can't do that. <laughs> your Mike Reed impersonation. Don't do it. No, no. Yeah, no. Tre- Trevor was Scottish in EastEnders. Trevor was Scottish. All he right, was a proper okay. Ouija man, eh? No. Nah. Nah. Um, nah, you've lost me, but there you go. So only a couple of stories taken. <laughs> Hello? You dodgy internet again, eh? That's, that's too much porn, that's why. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> and the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the I Ready podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing, Dave? Very well, Derek. How's yourself? I'm not bad. I mean, I'm certainly better than, you know, cows that have drunk Red Bull anyway. 
Exactly, mate. That, that's just typically us, isn't it? <laughs> yes, uh, you know, talking about one tweets, we're going to have a hell of a lot to talk about tonight, aren't we? Certainly not in the, the slightest bit amusing at all. We're going to need to get into it, but we've obviously got a hell of a lot else to cover as well, including the end of the transfer window and four games as well. Exactly, and uh, an excellent last game there, Derek, which I think has been the the start of all the problems that there's been over the last uh, 48 hours, but we will get in, into that as soon as possible. Absolutely. So, without further ado, we'll go down the tunnel and onto the pitch. So, before we get into any games, it was the end of the transfer window, Dave, and a rather quiet end to it, but what I'm going to point out is that we did have a fairly busy window nonetheless. We did, Derek. I think we were all sort of waiting in hope that it would maybe be a last-minute flurry of activity as usual. There's a lot of rumours that were flying about from players abroad as well as players playing here in Scotland, and we were all sort of maybe half thinking that we were going to be bringing a player in, especially with who I'm sure you're going to be, be getting into uh, one of our first-team squad forwards going out on loan, which, as I say, I know you're going to get into. So maybe slightly light in that front, but at the same time, Derek, you know me, Absolutely delighted at Alfredo Morelos, is still a Rangers player. That was the main one for me all along. I know a lot of people have got different opinions and they're wanting us to cash in on players. But no, I'm delighted that we've managed to keep all of our squad or the vast majority of, of, of our squad that won the league last season. That's what I want. And I want all of the transfer speculation that's maybe been in players' heads now to go away and fully focus on playing for Rangers at, at this moment in time. But I'll let you get into it, Derek. Yes, I mean just backing up your your other point there, we kept all our key players, and that was, as you said, the big thing. Yeah. And only in Scotland, or rather, only the Scottish media, that could be spun into being a bad incredible. thing. Incredible. Yep, I yeah. know, Derek. Absolutely incredible. So in came Namdi Offabor, Fashion Sakala, John Lundstrom, Janino Bakuna, Charlie McCann, and Juan Allegri. Allegri. Allegria, I couldn't pronounce yep. that name there. So granted, you know, three of them were already, you know, signed right at the start of the window. Juan Allegria and Charlie McCann, two youngsters go straight into the B team, but I've got a feeling they're going to be coming into the first team very shortly. Yes, and I think Derek going by, you know, what I was saying there, especially in the forward area, maybe we step in stone for Allegria there. He's certainly uh, I'm not saying he's the same t- type of player as Alfredo Morelos, but certainly has uh, path into European football and into Rangers, very similar, coming from Colombia, going over, playing in Finnish football and, you know, being absolutely outstanding over there, scoring a lot of goals, playing really well and then getting picked up by us. So, you know, if he turns it to be anywhere near the player that Alfredo Morelos is, we'll be absolutely delighted. But like you, Derek, I've got a feeling that he might become a first-team player quite soon and going by his debut for the, the B team, certainly uh, looked an absolute standout in that one. Yes, so the outgoings were Jamie Barjonas, Greg Stewart, George Edmondson, Jordan Jones. As you said, Cedric Itton out on yeah. loan. He scored in his first game as well, which is always a good sign. And Nico Katic out on loan as well. And also a number of academy players left or went out on loan. So you've got to say, this. I think everybody was, because we'd done their job so early, everybody was still waiting for you know another signing, at least on deadline day. 
this transfer window was not about masses of changes. You know, we've probably done like for like in a lot of the, the cases there. It was the first transfer window in a number of years where we didn't have to have massive amount of players coming in. We weren't rebuilding. It was a case of get rid of some of the deadwoods and bring in a couple of more refined players. And certainly that's on the, the face of it looks like what we've done. So we, we can't really argue that way. Katic going out on loan was always going to be the case. He's been out for a season. His position is probably not going to be there just now given the fact that we've got two solid centre-backs. Cedric Hitton, that's the one thing I'm annoyed about because I don't think even though he's had 41 appearances, they've all been mainly subs, I believe. Yeah. So he's never really been given a fair chance. A bit of Dubai on whether what the kind of deals is as well, because apparently both of them, we can recall in January. However, there's there's rumours that both of them have got a, a future signing fee as well, potentially, if they want to take that option. So a bit disappointing if that really is the case, but we'll, we'll just need to wait and see how that one pans out. Two great moves for the two of them as well, Derek, although it's on loan. I mean, uh, Cedric Kitten going to be playing in the Bundesliga, as you know, is a fantastic move for him on loan. And then Nikola Katic going back to, you know, arguably the biggest club in his his homeland. So, I mean, two two good moves for the two of them. It's going to be, you know, a great standard of football for both of them. And I just hope that the two of them really go and prove themselves. You know, if we need them in January, we can recall them and it'll be like signing two brand new players. That's the way I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look at it. Yeah, I would say so as well. Now, in terms of, I did mention about the our key players staying. However, Everton did initially bid £5 million for Patterson and then it was up to eight, but we refused that as well. So great resolve from the club there. When the initial bid came in, it was just before the Ross County game, I believe, and heart and hand informed Gerard of it, who was completely unaware of it. And he laughed as it was a, jo- a bit of a joke yeah. bid. Some journalists thought it was quite strange that Gerard didn't know about it. Well, firstly, he was in preparation for a game. Secondly, we've got a director of football. It's already been well documented. Gerard and Walt, Ross Wilson are close and have set out their strategy as, as to ins and outs and devaluations of their players. So why would a director of football bother to tell the manager of a bid that's already been rejected if it's nowhere near our valuation of the player? Derek, again, though, you said, uh, you said the magic thing there. The, the media or the press and going by what we'll be speaking about later on I really don't care what the press have got to say <laughs> and I haven't for a very long time but uh, I know I know I know exactly what you mean yeah so delighted to keep the players and that's yep. hopefully the new ones and obviously with Namdi off the board we still obviously wish him a speedy recovery in, in, in terms of his heart issue there's not been yes. any further update on that one there as well so um, I hope all is going well However, the first game we've got to come up against, Thursday the 19th of August, it was a 1-0 win at home against Alaskar in the Europa League playoff leg one. Six changes from the previous Dunfermline game. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Hellander, Bassey, Lundstrom, Davis, Aribo, Hadji, Kent and Morelis. On the subs bench were McLaughlin, McCrory, Itton, Simpson, Patterson, Wright, Balligan, Kelly, Arfield and Barisic. Now, Dave... Predictions were, given where they were in the league, given the fact that it was an Armenian league, predictions were about 5 or 6 now. It was yes. never going to be like that, is it? It's no, Derek. And, you know, we've been watching Rangers in Europe for many, many years, and it's very rarely that you get a bit of a rout against any team that you're up against, especially at home, because, you know, these teams will come out and they'll set out their stalls very early. And, you know, and that's exactly what happened d- during the game. So uh, I'll, I'll let you get into it, Derek. 
Yes. So it was really uh, the first half was another game, same problems with plenty of possession, but slow and lethargic football. Granted, Alishkar were sitting in and playing tight and defensive. They tried to hit in the break. They were competent enough, I felt. You know, people were writing them off too easy, I felt, but it was easy enough for our defence. Again, the final third was poor with us yeah. playing the same way, getting to the wing, crossing and repeating. Many of the crosses were overcooked. However, we did have a number of dangerous crosses into the area, but we didn't pick out our man. So you could say it's bad crossing and the forward players need to be more alert but was causing them a danger our best chance did come on the 22nd minute Aribo pressures the midfielder wins back possession the ball fed towards Hadji slides it into Kent on the right hand side of the box and he has a shot and it hit off the bar so quite unlucky there however Big moment on the 43rd minute, it was a red card for Lundstrom. Moment of madness as well. He was already on a yellow card from 10 minutes beforehand for a very similar offence. He had the ball in the Alishkart half. He dallied on the ball. He lost out. Their player got the ball. It was still in his own half. He was running towards the dugout and Lundstrom pulls him back. In the Alishkart half with the player running to the dugout when we had plenty of cover. A lot was made about the fact that I think this is only his first European game or second or third, whatever. It's not He's not had much European experience. That's just basic football. When you look up, if you've got cover, if the player's running to, to nobody, he's not on the break. So why pull him back? Especially considering you've just been penalised 10 minutes beforehand. Yeah, it was really silly, Derek. And, you know, when you look back on it, you, it's, it's the first thing that you think to yourself, what the hell are you doing? A guy, he is a, you know, he's an experienced player, Derek. He's been playing in the Premiership in England, and I know a lot's been getting made about that, but he has been playing at a very high standard. And you know, was it a moment of madness? Was it? A, you know, I honestly don't know. But just at that point in the game as well, when it's still nil nil, it gives the team, the the other team, the upper hand mentally as well as you know the f- physical side of things. So. And it put the whole of the mood at Ibrox, you know, into in an absolute downer at that point as well. And the guys know exactly set the head on fire either. Derek has been getting, you know, criticised quite a bit by the fans, and that's something that he definitely didn't need. So, no, it was it was poor time and bad judgment, and you know, it, it was given us a bit not a mountain to climb because it was still nil nil, but it was certainly going to make it a lot more difficult for us at that stage of the game. Yeah, the only one good thing it might have done is is made Alishkart push out a wee bit more which meant we could exploit the the, the, the space they leave so you know that's the only one good thing it might have done however in the second half a much better second half performance very gutsy and a fighting performance with one major difference the players were moving for each other and into spaces it's the one thing see when we play slow and lethargically nobody moves so it allows the the opposition the time to actually regain the space and and tighten up Wright did come on at half time for Kent who Kent was woeful I, I felt in the first half however Wright made an instant impact getting an early cross in for Morelos like Malmo last week though we looked as if we were the team with the extra man despite us being 10 men we're in full control of the game with all the possession in the second half I don't believe McGregor had a significant save to make we certainly created a lot more however didn't put their keeper under a lot of pressure there was a 10 minute flurry of chances round about the 58th minute with a penalty claim which wasn't given it was a correct decision that an overhead kick by Morelos followed by a header just wide by him as well we were getting closer and closer and finally broke the deadlock on the 67th minute with none other than Morelos scoring Morelos beats the offside trap from a pass from Tavernier, ended up in acres of space, so much that everybody actually thought it was offside. RTV never shown a proper replay. Maybe that was tactical, I don't know, because it might have been offside. Drove it forward into the box, only only the keeper to beat, and he hits a shot under and off the keeper's legs into the back of the net. Brilliant. 
Excellent goal, Derek. He's the man. He's our European talisman. Had to be him. You know, it'd been pretty quiet up until that stage, but just excellent to know that he gets a wee, you know, just, just one chance and he'll take it. And, you know, everybody calmed down a wee bit after that, didn't they? So, uh, you know, excellent that we managed to get the breakthrough. Yes. And the rest of the game, we controlled the game. And then one highlight I want to mention is Hadji. He was outstanding all game, especially in the second half. He was running about, he was creating ch- the chances really that we were getting. Certainly when you compared two creative players like him and Kent, it was like chalk and cheese. Yeah. But that's how the game ended up. 1-0. Yes, it was never going to be a 5-6-7-0 game, but I would have expected at least two, to be honest, to make it that wee bit more comfortable. As I said, I think Alice Kurt were getting written off. People were looking at, oh, well, they're ninth out of tenth in, in, in the Armenian League. You know, they're nothing. But if you actually look at the, the league, I think all the other teams had played four or five games. They had played two or three. So they, they were always going to be lower down the league and they were champions after all of the league. And I don't care where you are, where you come from. If you've got a team that sits back and tightly defends, it, you could be anybody and it was going to be difficult to beat them. So... Definitely, yeah. Yeah, although we should have done better. That's that's the one (laughs) thing I want to say. We should have done better. However, that leads us into the next game, which was Sunday the 22nd of August. It was a 4-2 win away against Ross County in the Premiership. That was certainly more like the Rangers we know, Dave, wasn't it? Definitely, Derek. It was... uh... We were looking for a wee bit of reaction where there had been quite a lot said about the lack of goals that we were scoring up until that point. So it was uh, great for us to get back out. And to be fair to Ross County, they weren't just really sitting back as well. So we knew away from home, we've got a decent record up there as well. We were hoping for some goals and thankfully, you know, we we did get some. And I think that the scoreline flattered Ross County. Derek, because I do feel that, you know, 90% of that match we completely dominated. But again, I'll let you get into the game. Yep. So we were actually allocated a thousand tickets for the game, which will come into play after the game when I get into that. There was two changes from the Alice Cart game. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Balligan, Bassey, Aribo, Davis, Kamara, Hadji, Kent and Morellis. On the subs bench were McCrory, Lundstrom, Hellander, Itton, Patterson, Roof and Arfield. So as I said, that was more like the Rangers we know. And then we show our stupidity due to the, la- due to the lack of marking <laughs> as well. First 40 minutes were by, were by far the better team, playing with a lot higher tempo than we've seen in previous few games more importantly playing with variation as well we were yeah players were switching sides they were getting into space passing well crossing from both wings going through the middle in complete control there was an early penalty claim though for Ross County on the third minute when the ball hit off the upstretched arm of Balligan however the Ross County attacker was a judge to have pushed them first a lot of folk felt we were quite lucky on that one I know, Derek. I think when, in hindsight, when you look back and you see it on on replay, and again, trial bespoke scene uh, as usual. You know, slowing it right, right down. To, you know, the the guy's barely moving, and it looks as if it's you know it's it's going to be a blatant penalty. But when you're watching it from real time, you can see where the referee was coming from. There was definitely contact made there by the the the, the forward on Balligan. Uh, you know, that pushed them. So uh, I, I would say the referee got it right, Derek. However, we did go one goal up on the 14th minute with Joe Aribo scoring. Lots of possession, good link-up play with Kamara, who played a lovely weighted ball to Aribo in the box. Lovely control with the heel of Aribo to stop the ball. Turns, switches to his other foot and hits a curler right into the bottom left corner. What a stunning goal Absol- that was. Absolutely sensational, Derek. As you say, the whole move and then the control by Aribo, the awareness... 
and the execution was just perfect. The amount of curl that he got on that ball and placed perfectly, inch perfect, just inside the post. Absolutely stunning goal. Yeah, absolutely. And we thought we put the game to bed five minutes later because on the 19th minute, Goldson made it 2-0. There's a corner off the right from Tavernier, right to the back post. Goldson jumps up on the spot, heads it down into the ground and bounces into the net. Brilliant goal as well. Great execution, great delivery. Yep, again, and it's something, Derek, that we'll get on to in our most pre- previous uh, match there. Either one of the two centre-halves staying back and just timing the run perfectly to get in there and go on the edge. It was a tremendous ball, and as you say, execution again by, by Golson, right up over the top of the ball, heads it down, bounces in, into the net. So excellent, and brilliant timing as well, Derek, because we thought at that stage, that's it. It's going to be a case of how, how many we're going to get here. So, no, absolutely delighted at that stage. So, for the rest of the game, well, up until the 40th minute, we were in complete control, as I said. However, on the 40th minute, all that work was undone due to slack fucking marking once again. Ross County made it 2-1. It was a deep free kick on the right to the back post where nobody was picking up the attacker up. Let's the ball run to the near the corner flag, passes out to another attacker who crosses back into the middle. The shot by the attacker, it was a great save by McGregor, right enough, but it spills and the attacker follows up with a rebound into the back of the net. It was all down to nobody marking that initial back post ball again. Why Why is the marking been so woeful this year? I don't know, Derek, because it's... it's I, I don't know if it's... Uh... You know, if they're just being complacent, if they're—I mean, it's, I, I would hate to think that they're being complacent about the—you you, know—our opponents. Uh, you know, wouldn't be, be like that. But we, we've seen it in bigger games as well, especially against Malmo and things like that. But it just seems to be sort of lapses in concentration. And, and as you said, that was a big worry because we were well in control up until that stage. And it's our own, you know, they've scored because of our inept concentration and it's just e- easy stuff. Exactly like what you said, simple, making sure that everybody's marked, not giving any, any, anybody an inch, but they, they found it way, way too easy in the box just to pick the ball up for a very, you know, it, I'm not saying it was a, a you know, hoping high hoping hit up the up up the field, but something that it would be bread and butter, I think, to any sort of half decent defender. Uh, but no, really, really poor, and all the good work almost undone, just just like that, and just before half time as well, which is quite worrying. Yeah, uh, just again, it's something that's that's crept into our game this season. It's uh, it needs to tighten up, and we obviously never done it with the later this yeah. game. However. Second half, again, we were in complete control, yep. but still ended up making it very nervy for ourselves. Ross County came out more positively, as you would expect they were going to do after their tails being up just to getting a goal just before half time. They tried to up the tempo, they had a spring in their step. We were calm, quite happy to be patient. It did pay off in the 56th minute when the two-goal advantage made it 3-1. And it was none other than Morella scoring. Hadji was charging towards the box with a ball, passes to the overlapping Aribo in the box, puts a cross in on deck, but attempted clearance to Kamara on the left, who plays a lovely square ball to Morellis in the centre, on the edge of the box, who hits a trundler into the bottom right corner past the keeper, who went down like he was diving in water. But just a great all-round goal again. It was, Derek. And see, at first, when I, I watched the goal, and I know what you're going to say, oh, here's Dave, Alfredo Morelos fan club here. When I watched it at first, I thought, oh, God, the goalkeepers had an absolute nightmare there, and it's like a mishit. You, you watch it from Morelos. I, I, I dare say he was wanting to get a better strike on it than he did. 
but it was extremely accurate, Derek. It was right. It was a low. It was just like a low pass right into the bottom corner, and you, you know the goalkeeper went down for it, but it was just that bit too far away from him. Like I said, I, th- I think if Morelos had another chance, he'd, he'd hit it a lot harder. But don't take anything away from the finish there, Derek, because it was it was it was as accurate as, as you can get, and that's what strikers are looking for. Even though it was a trundler, it still managed to sneak in there. So. Absolutely delighted for Morelos. I don't. I don't think he'll care if it went in off his backside or if he, you know, hit a forty-yard screamer. It was uh, every goal's a goal for him, and just delighted for him again. And most importantly, getting the two-goal advantage again, just like what you said. Exactly. The next twenty minutes after that were played pretty much in the Ross County half, with them having ten players behind the ball, trying to hit on the break, and uh, for a majority of it, and then we contrived to put ourselves under pressure again by conceding a penalty on the seventy-six minute. I think it was Hadji who lost the ball in midfield. It was a quick break up the park, ending in a great save by McGregor, which I believe he turned it onto the post, rebounds yep. out to the attacker who has a shot. Bassey turns his body and hits the backside of his arm. Penalty given. You would say under the old rules it was harsh, but it's the new rules we've got yeah. now. We've benefited from it before. Yeah. We're going to get them against us. We just need to take that one on the chin or on the arm, as this, Un- this case was. Un- unlucky for Bassey, Derek, because he'd done what, what anybody would do, basically just try and get his body in the way of the shot. That's that's what he did. Unfortunately for him, as he's turned, it's hit his arm. And as you say, under the new rules, that's a penalty. So, we, you, you know, we've got to take it. Penalty was converted a minute later. Shot to the right. McGregor dived the right way but couldn't quite get to it. We then made a couple of subs. Hadji off, Arfield on, Aribo off, Roof on. And we eventually retained the go- the two-goal lead on the 84th minute. And it was Arfield scoring. Lundstrom showing his strength to win the, the ball in midfield. It drives it forward, passes to Roof, then to Arfield, who slots the ball to Morelos on the right side, who has a shot, saved by the keeper, who spills. And Arfield, who had kept on running, shoots the loose ball into the back of the net. Great. Brilliant from Lundstrom as well. Great tenacity to win the ball back in midfield. Certainly was Derek. It was uh, it, it was great for Arfield as well because he's been the sort of kind of forgotten player, hasn't he? And, and I think we, we all know when Arfield's on on his game, he's an excellent goal scorer for Rangers. He always has been, and uh, you know, great po- poacher's instinct there from a guy that plays in midfield. Absolutely delighted for him. He'll be delighted also that he scored and is usually his trademark salute to the fans when he scored as well to give us our two-goal advantage, and none more than we deserved, Derek, because as you say, apart from two silly mistakes, we completely controlled the game up to that point. Yep. So, delighted with the scoreline in the end. As I said, we made it nervy for ourselves on occasion. It's the way we do things sometimes. Yes. Arebo was outstanding. Kent had been yep. trying. Morelis has been dragging the defence all over the place. And you can just see Kamara, how much Kamara brings to our midfield as well, because oh, I think this was his first yep. game back. So, um, just, just great all round. Yep, superb. Absolutely delighted with the win. In fact, we scored four goals as well, and it was a, a variety of players that scored. That's when you know a team are gelling, Derek, that we're not just relying on one player to score all the goals, and the whole team scoring. That was the success that we had last year as well. And, you know, are we. Glimpse of light, Derek, that things are starting to get back to the way that we know that Rangers can play. So, no, no, really pleased with that one, especially with being in the road as well. Yep, superb. We've got to cover this as well. Don't want to really gloss over it because it's, it's important. But obviously, away fans in the stadium, supporters' buses travelling up. I'd 
never been in a supporters bus, Dave. I know you have, but I know Many certain things. things yeah. I know certain things go on in buses which really shouldn't. However, on this occasion, a video emerged, and it was of certain individuals from the bus singing racist songs and making racist gestures as well. Just why? The the club have been trying their hardest to try and eradicate these things and stop tarnishing the the image of Rangers. There are fans like this that just don't seem to get it and they can have no excuses for this whatsoever. Two were arrested and Rangers have banned them indefinitely, so they acted quickly there. There's no excuses for it. They were banged to rights as well. Another issue is, one, why film it? And two, why put it on social media? You're just being an idiot there. The, also, Rangers, um, on that, that note as well, they have ref, uh, told the supporters club that they will be refused any away tickets for the foreseeable as well, which you might argue it's a bit harsh, but certainly I think it was the only course of action to, to the club could make to show how serious they are. Um, it shows fans they're serious, and it shows those that hate us and claim that we're doing nothing that we're serious about this as well. Yeah. I mean, it drew the ire of the media, as it should. You know, you've got to say it was an own yep. goal by by these fans as well. Yep. They've apologised for it. It makes no difference really now. You know, what's done is done. It drew also the, the media asking a rather strange question that should, in the next up-and-coming Old Firm game, should Tavernier go up to Kyogo like Brown did uh, to, to Kamara as a gesture? I mean, that is utter ludicrous to even suggest that. Firstly, it devalues the seemingly genuine gesture Brown done. I mean, Dave, I don't think it was a a, a PR stunt at all. I just, I I genuinely think he meant it. However, the media are now making it out. If if Tavernier doesn't do it, then that's bad Rangers. But then if it does do it, it's a case of, oh, well, it's just been for PR reasons. It's a completely different set of circumstances as well, Derek, you know. Scott Brown done it, you know, I'm not saying that he, he, he wouldn't have done it in, in, in the other way, but the fact it was done on the pitch by a fellow professional as well, it was showing him, you know, that the even our biggest rivals, you know, were, were with him. Uh, you know, that happened to his face on the field by another player, a completely different set of circumstances. Equally as bad, Derek. I'm not condoning it in any way whatsoever. I think what you've said about these guys on the bus, absolutely disgraceful. Total, utter idiocy by the people that were filming it. Total, utter idiocy by the people that posted it, knowing that as loads of people would jump on it. I want to congratulate the club for swift actions completely in doing what had to be done. There's not been a lot said about that as well with the actions of the club. We don't need feed people like that in the stadium. Uh, just absolutely disgusting behaviour by them. And uh, I'm just glad, like I said, that the club have done what they have done. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll get into the other issues because there's a lot of other issues regarding, yeah. regarding the same thing. Um, but we'll, we'll get into them later. Next up is Thursday the 26th of August. It was a 0-0 draw away against Alice Carr in the second leg of the Europa League playoff. Dave, I think you watched it. I never got really a chance to watch much of it because I was having to look after my daughter at the time. But I'm kind of glad I never really had to do much about it because uh, it was really not the greatest of performances. I never watched the, the game back. It would do myself an injustice and I would probably give myself Aye. some sort of injury watching it as well. However, the main story to come out of it was the COVID issues that hit just before this game. Six first-team players, as well as Gerard, out with COVID. It was always going to happen to us at some point. 
but could it have not happened before a double header against Jobbers, yeah. not a European game, and then Celtic? Yep. So Tavernier, McGregor, McLaughlin, Bassey, Kent, and Wright out wasn't confirmed who they were, um, but they never got on the plane anyway. The tabloids didn't pay the money for access to the club. We're not happy with fan media not asking up the club who were the players. Well, considering it's confidential medical details, you wouldn't get that details anyway. So again, Derek. We'll get into the whole media thing. Me and you have been speaking about the media in this country for nine years now that we've been doing this podcast. Nine years we've been talking about them and criticising them. So again, it's going to be anything that they can to try and criticise the way things, especially everything that's happening at the moment with regards to fan media and things like that. It's, it's, it's going to happen. There's going to be criticism everywhere and, and, and anywhere. And I actually think that Rangers played it correctly because they didn't come out and say who did test positive and who were self-isolating or who was uh, was injured and they were just going to be missing the game through through injury so I actually think that the the team yeah, you know, Rangers did the right thing. It's frustrating for us fans because we actually we 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 want to know about our players, and you know, we're concerned about our players when we heard there was a COVID outbreak. But I think with the two games coming up, that the club actually played it very well, Derek. Yeah. So the actual game itself, just briefly, 35 degree heat, well, we're missing players obviously, nine changes from the, the last game against Ross County, so we lined up Robbie McCrory in goals getting his uh, first debut, Patterson, Goldson, Hellander, Barisic, Arfield, Davis, Kamara, Aribo, Morelis and Hadji. On the subs bench we had Hogarth, Itton, Balligan, Kelly, Lowry, Lyle, McKinnon, McClelland. That's not that's a, a, a no bad first team, Derek, considering we had so many absentees you would say, I mean, that's a p- potentially a you know a, a team that we would put out in, in the Premier League in the vast majority of games out there. So when I saw the first team, obviously notable absentees being our first two goalkeepers, but knowing that we had a goalkeeper who had Premier League experience in McCrory, I you know felt a bit better about that. And the fact that we did our captain was missing, but we did have a, an, an able replacement in Patterson as well. I was still hopeful, Derek that we would do the job on the night. Yeah, absolutely. But what turned out to be a game that lacked any pace, we were happy to knock it about, decent enough for the first half without putting their keeper under pressure. They had a man sent off for a second yellow for a very, very dangerous and cynical leg left in when McCrory dived at the guy's feet. Easily could have got his leg out of the way. It should have been a straight red card. Um, You know, I'm just thinking about the punishment that Roof got for a complete accident um, it wasn't malicious at all, but he yep. got a four-game ban for dangerous exactly, football. Yeah. Yep. This, ga- this guy will get but two games, I think, maybe a game ban for a second yellow. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a joke. Yep. Second half, we were rather woeful as well. Arg- arguably, Alice Kirk should have had maybe scored in the last 10 minutes as they finished stronger. Throughout the game, Alfredo had three dire misses, which he would normally bury. I know, and a- I after know. the first one, I think I text you and my other mates that I knew it wasn't going to be our night when he was missing guilt-edge chances like yeah. that. Unfortunately, it never cost us. Yeah, I know. I was really surprised, Derek. There was at least, you know, as you say, three guilt-edge chances. I would even go so far as to say that two of them were you know, unforgivable misses for a man of his ability. I was pulling my hair out, especially with the second one that just got flicked through to him that he blasted over the bar. Really, really not like him at all, especially in Europe where he's been so deadly for us, Derek. 
Really, all I can really say is the best part of the game for me was towards the end when the signal cut out to a test page and then, <laughs> and then cut to BBC News Studio where a guy was standing with a mask, was looking right at the camera, seemed completely bewildered, went to a wide shot where another woman was standing with a mask on and they just looked at each other. And this Derek, went on for maybe about 30 seconds. Derek, I was sitting watching it with my son and I've not seen my son laugh as spontaneously as that for such a long time. <laughs> But I was getting really excited, Derek. I thought finally we're going to get a chance to see John Eustace play for Rangers. That's you know that's who I was that's who I thought it was that was coming on. You know I was really excited at that point, and then I realised it was actually BBC Studios there. But uh, there you go, I it was absolutely dire. But the Twitter response, Derek, after that for about five minutes after that was just priceless. And as you say. The most exciting part of that match all night was watching what was going on. It really was. It was embarrassing for uh, for, for uh, BBC Scotland there for doing that, but uh, absolutely hilarious at the same time. I mean, one of my mates on uh, on our group chat said that one of his mates genuinely thought that the Queen died for a minute. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I'm going straight, straight on. Thank goodness that so, didn't happen. Exactly, but I mean, uh, but that was good. But anyway, you know, certainly. As tough as we made it for ourselves, sometimes given the conditions, given the issues with COVID, you've kind of got to forget the team. Bearing in mind it was like a 5,000 mile round trip as well for the team. So it certainly it had shades of youth, I, I put it that I, way. I was trying to keep my sensible head on, Derek, especially coming in the last 15 minutes. As you say, the heat was was unbelievable. We had travelled all that distance. We had all of those players out. We were winning 1-0. There was no need for us to bust the gut there. All we had to do was see the game out. Thankfully, that's what happened, you know. And I thought sooner that, that we finish this game, get the players back, the better. And we still managed to make it through the group stages, which, you know, as you say, was by far the most important thing. Yes. So the group stages, the draw was made, I think, was it the next day? Yes. And we have got Leon Sparta Prague and Brunby so certainly not the worst group we could have got certainly not the best group we could have got but certainly it'll take it either way Sparta Prague apparently they are not Slavia Prague and they hate Slavia, uh, Slavia yes, Prague no, just as that. much as yep. us mm-hmm. yep. um, and Brunby so as I said you know all winnable ties Derek we spoke about it when we were knocked out there by Malmo and I, t- I told you honestly I would rather that Rangers were playing top-class opposition in Europe where we will be looking like the underdogs. That is where we thrive. That is when we up our game is when we're playing these better teams. Not saying that Malmo are not, but we were expected to beat Malmo over two legs. I think everybody thought we were going to beat them. We were all very, very hopeful. And the reason that we've done so well in Europe in the last three or four seasons is because we've been the underdogs in the vast majority of these games and we have upped our game big time. So I would rather it was like that, Derek. Uh, and here's hoping that uh, you know we get some fantastic results. And we've had some great European nights under Steven Gerrard. Here's hoping that we have the same again this season. Yep, absolutely. However, the next game we've got to cover, it's a lot better, Dave, because yeah, it was it really Sunday is. the... Sunday the 29th of August, it was a 1-0 win at home against Celtic in the Premiership and it's fair to say it's created absolute havoc, hasn't it? It really has, Derek, it really has. i very privileged, Derek, as you know and a few of my friends know, I have a bit of a football connoisseur last week because I was invited by a good friend of mine uh, down to watch a game in the English 
Premiership uh, Liverpool versus Chelsea invited down hospitality, the, you know, the full shebang, not cheering on any of the teams, but to go down. And when I was actually down there, just about to go and watch the game, I got a wee text from another good friend of mine asking me if I wanted a ticket for the game at Ibrox on Sunday, which of course I said yes, definitely. So I've been very, very lucky this weekend to go and watch two top games. But I have to say, Derek, going by the two of them, going by what I was told, I've never been at Anfield before, the, 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 the atmosphere was excellent, but Ibrox was absolutely bouncing. No comparison whatsoever. Uh, it was just fantastic. The atmosphere was tremendous. It's the first old firm game I've been in many years, Derek, since, since I gave up my season ticket. I've not been for a long time and I absolutely loved it. It was tremendous. The game was fantastic, which you're about to get into and it just get completely made the, the last week for me. I felt so privileged as to, as to have been there. So I'll let you get into it. I mean, you say football connoisseur, others would say jammy bastard. <laughs> That's it, exactly. Mate. That's, you know, you know. You say potato, I say potato. Shite jobby. <laughs> but anyway, there was three changes from the Alice Gart game and no Nathan Patterson as well, as he was self-isolating due to being a close contact. No Gerard back either. So it was, like the Alice Gart game, it was Gary Mack that was in charge. Yes, so we lined up Robbie McCrory again, Balogun, Goldson, Hellander, Barisic, Davis, Aribo, Kamara, Roof, Ken and Morelis. On the subs bench we had Wright, that was, I think it was Kieran Wright, it wasn't Scott Wright as some yep. people felt. Uh, Lundstrom, Arfield, Hadji, Bakuna, Itten and Sakala, so a slightly better bench that, that time as Definitely, well. Definitely, yes. And, and you, Derek, I'll be honest with you, as soon as I heard Balogun was in it right back, I immediately thought to the last time that Balogun played it right back and he actually got taken off after half an hour. I thought this is going to be a bit of a disaster. McCrory and goals would be kind of made, made peace with that. We know that he's, you know, like I said before, he's a, he's played in the Premier League already. So I wasn't too concerned about that. The rest of the team, though, Derek, it's a pretty straightforward, you know, it's, you could argue without, obviously, a goalkeeper and your captain probably the strongest team if everybody was fit. So wasn't worried that way, but concerned with the fact that uh, Balogun was at right back and he proved me wrong, didn't he? I think he proved everyone wrong in, yeah. in this game because he was just immense man of yep. the match for a reason. And when it came, came to the keeper, I knew that we were never going to struggle because we've always had a history of good keepers, even if it's the fourth, fifth choice. We can even get an emergency loan keeper and and still be an amazing keeper as well. Um, so, Derek, I've got Lionel Letizia in, <laughs> in, in, in my brain just now. Do you know what I mean? So maybe no, maybe not quite, but vast majority of the time you're you're correct. Ninety nine percent of the time. Yes, yes. So first half. It was a fairly open game with, I would have said, us slightly shading it. I know other people have said maybe Celtic shaded it, but I would have said we shaded it, playing some really good football, however wasteful in the final third, typical of our season so far. Neither keeper having anything to do, bar McCrory having to be alert on one occasion and they basically became a sweeper to clear the ball. Celtic, though, arguably should have been 1-0 up on the 25th minute. Edward misses an absolute sitter after the ball was crossed on the deck from the left. He got goal side, beat the defender, and he tried to side foot it but it ended up hitting off his heel and he put it wide, it was a glaring miss and it really should have been 1-0 at that point 
Our best chance, though, came on the 32nd minute with, with Kent. Cross in from the right. Morelos uses his strength to outmuscle Starfelt, who was facing away from the goal. Passes to Kent on the edge of the box at the centre, who controls it. It's a curling shot off the outside of the right post and out. As I said, that was our best chance of the yeah. half. Our defence had been solid enough with Balogun shown very well at that stage, slotting in that right-back position very well, as I said. We needed to get in their face a lot more in the final third. And as they've shown in both previous games and on the occasion that we did get get in behind them, they can be very shaky. Definitely, Derek. As I said, you've, the, apart from them having that one chance, and it was a glaring chance, Derek, I'm not going to say it wasn't. We've been getting told for the last three weeks that we were going to be facing the reincarnation of Pele and Maradona mixed into <laughs> one. Uh, with uh, Furuhashi being the greatest player to ever have graced the, the, the shores of Scotland playing against us. He's getting played in the left wing, Derek, and to be fair to the guy, he looks a good player. I'm, I'm not going to say he's not, but Balogun, I think, knew straight away hard, strong and fast against this guy, and that's what he done the whole of the first half, so, so much so they had to switch him in the second half and play him through the centre because he was getting absolutely no joy uh, from Balogun, outstanding it really was, as you say that one glaring chance, but apart from that defence looked totally solid Celtic couldn't do anything in the air at all we were winning absolutely everything and the team just looked a lot more concentrated Derek, especially in defence uh, shout out again though, Alfredo Morelos without really doing getting any shots on target Derek, I thought he was immense I thought he was absolutely immense his hold up play, his passing his link up play his vision, you know, spreading the ball from side to side, getting us out of tight spots. I thought he was absolutely outstanding in the first half. I thought he was even better in the second half, which we're about to get into. But, you know, I think a lot of people just look at Morelos for goal scoring. I thought he was excellent up front, led the line tr- tremendously well. Yep, absolutely. So as you said, second half, an outstanding performance, I felt. We we came out of the traps, we got in their face and we ran them ragged. We were chasing every ball, winning everything, and as a result, we are getting the break of the ball. And as we said, we get in their face, their defence stuttered, we had them panicking, making mistakes, and it was allowing us more space as well. And we ended up getting a goal in the 66th minute with Hellander scoring. A stunning corner from Barisic on the right, right to the back post. Hellander towers above and heads it in at the back. And it uh, just Barisic, his crossing was a bit suspect again in the game. However, just before that, he put in a free kick, which ended up getting the corner from, and yeah. the corner was absolutely immense as well. Yeah, you, you hit the hail, the, the hail right in the head, the nail right in the head there, <laughs> the nail right in the head there, Derek. I had a feeling after because, as you say, I think Barisic grew into the game as the game went on. I think he's been suffering serious confidence issues. I think going along with him being injured in the Euros and hardly playing any minutes at all, I think his confidence has dipped. Going into the second half, Derek, that looked like the Barisic that we all know. He was getting forward. First few crosses into the box, it was just as if he was finding his range, wasn't it? And then, you know... Ten minutes into the second half, he became the weapon that we know he is. He put in that stunning free kick, as you say. It was almost inch perfect. That's what came for the corner. And I just had a feeling. I thought, that's him. He's found his range now. We're, we're going to get something here. And I was right. I was just I was waiting on it. And Hellander again, just like we spoke about Goldson against Ross County, the two of them are, are switching about. Nobody marking. He made the perfect run and a fantastic header in there. 
The place went absolutely mental, Derek. It was tremendous. We and the, the thing about it is we thoroughly deserved it, Derek, because we were by far the better team. We were not giving them a second on the ball at all. We were chasing everything down at that point. They were panicking. They couldn't get the ball out of their own half. They were passing it back to Joe Hart constantly. He was having to get rid of it as quickly as possible. We weren't allowing them to do to Dundee and uh, St Mirren what it was they were doing by playing the ball out for the back. We were charging them down and they didn't know what to do to stop us. And that goal just came at the perfect time, Derek. Absolutely tremendous. And we kept that up for the, really the, the next for most of the rest of the game as well. Yep. The one oh. thing I'll say, Derek, again, go, going on, I thought... Uh, you know, obviously, but Balligan outstanding. Steve Davis playing like a man. You know, of tw- twenty-one years old, the guy was just everywhere on the park, especially in the second half. Cool, calm, and collected, but also, you know, getting forward, getting the players forward, totally controlling the midfield. Steve Davis, I thought he was outstanding. If it wasn't for the fact that that the Balligan had such a good game. Steve Davis would have been my man of the match without a shadow of a doubt. He was tremendous. And also, going on, every time we put the ball forward to Alfredo Morelos, he won it. He won yeah. the ball, Derek. He flattened his man, I don't know how many times. He was going down, he was doing the, the perfect, he was getting fouled, he was taking the free kicks, taking the sting out of things. And up until they took Alfredo Morelos off, Derek, Rangers were in complete control and it was at that stage where about 10 minutes to go we took Alfredo Morelos off and that's what kind of brought Celtic back into the game I thought it was a really really bad substitution to make because of how well he was doing I would have taken anybody else off at that stage apart from Balligan obviously Uh, but (laughs) I uh, I thought he was leading the line so well and they could not deal with him and as soon as he went off Derek which I'm sure you're going to get into next that was when Celtic started to get the, the, the upper hand in the last t- 10 minutes of the game and they were getting more and more of the ball because we took off an attacker, brought on a defensive midfielder in Lundstrom and, uh, you know, obviously it was going to get, get you know put Celtic in the front foot because we didn't we weren't putting any pressure on them up front. Yeah, I mean, Kyogo did get one chance um, no long after the goal in the 68th minute where McCrory done fantastic to run out and block the shot. Uh the, the the moment you're talking about, Dave, that was a wee flurry around about five minutes. Yep. Uh, for, for about five minutes round on the 80th minute. On the 85th minute, Kyogo gets the ball on the right-hand side of the box, gets a shot off, but a great save by the feet of McCrory. See if he had squared it, then it was almost an empty yep. net for, for yep. him to tap in. Yep. A minute later, Kyogo gets an almost identical chance as well on the right side of the box. This time he cuts it inside but only for us to knock it away after a yeah. few attempts. If he had shot it, it was in. So it was. Uh, he chose the wrong option at both both occasions there. Um, but you're you're correct in what you say there. The only other kind of controversial thing in the game though is on the 94th yeah. minute. No, you're going to say here, Derek, disgraceful. Yeah, Balligan went down injured with a bit of cramp. McCrory put the ball out. Celtic should have given the ball back, but never ended up winning a corner for Joe Hart to come up like a charging gazelle, and they never ended up scoring, obviously. But can you imagine what would have happened if they had scored from that chance after not giving the ball back? It just sums Celtic up in that one instance there, the most classless bunch of arseholes out there. Absolutely shocking, Derek. The, the, the place was going mental. Everybody was booing. And I realise it's not officially a rule, Derek, but every team does it. It's called sportsmanship. That's what it's called. 
they were not interested in doing this. I've seen some tweets coming back and forward from prominent Celtic supporters and stuff going on about certain teams doing that against them and calling them everything under the sun. Total silence when that happened. It was disgraceful. It was unsportsmanlike. I don't care if you're getting beat. Robbie McCrory had the ball in his hands. He could have held on to it. He could have fired upfield to, to run the clock down. But he was, you know, genuine, genuinely concerned about his player. He put the ball out, and uh, you know it was absolutely shocking that they did that. But as you say, Derek, we expect nothing more from them, and that's exactly what happened. Thankfully, we were able to see it out and win one 0 That that was what all all, all that mattered. But uh, just disgraceful, but by them. Yeah. Before I get into the next thing here, I mean, the stats came out as 34% possession for us the whole game. I've questioned that, to be honest, and I know people are saying that Celtic's possession was a case of them pass, 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 all in their own half. Yep, completely. Pass, yep, pass, completely. pass, pass. Yep. But I, I still felt even in the second half we'd done more than 34% possession the whole game. And the weird thing about the, the reaction from the Celtic fans is they seem to content to lose and they kept on saying that we were there for the taking and we weren't very good. I mean, absolute delusional stuff. Celtic, arguably, yeah, maybe had the better chances, but the keeper still had saves to make and that's his job at the end of the day. But by fa- Celtic, other than the chances, never done anything with it at all. They never scored, so they still lost the game. So I don't know why they're content about it. And I'll be honest with you, Derek, do you think that that was Rangers at their best? Absolutely not. We were, we were the better team in the second half, no. No, and we were no, still missing most players as no, well. No, nowhere near our best, and we still were the better team. Through You know, if if, if, if we go through, through the whole game, as you say, first half, pretty even. Celtic had the most, you know, clear-cut chance to score, but if you're taking it out of the whole game, Rangers were, were the better team, and we didn't play to anywhere near the standard we can play. That's the worrying thing for them because they are happy with how they played the game, the supporters. That shows you how bad things are because we we didn't really show up. But in the second half, we basically just put them under so much pressure when they had the ball that they didn't know what to do. Do you know what I mean? That that was it. We scored the goal when we needed to score the goal but uh, you know that's nowhere near the standard that we can play so that is the that's the the, the thing that I'm content about Derek about the game it's an excellent result but I know we can play a hell of a lot better than that yeah I mean that's the, the thing though I hope they keep up with this delusion because it just makes the fall harder when it does happen exactly so, yeah so Dave this is what's going to be the bulk of the, the, the news bit section as well. We need to obviously talk about the fallout from it because it's been, I'm trying to find the words here, it, it, it's been targeted, it's been a disgrace to be honest Dave. We've, they've lost 1-0 and they, they, generally what happens is when Celtic lose they'll blame the referee but the referee done nothing in this game. There was He never had a hard game to deal with so there was no controversial decisions at all in the game so they can't blame that. Rangers, they put out a second strength team. They need something else to try and blame their yep. blame their club on or blame something on. So, granted, there's a few things that happened which were not very nice, which we'll get into. First thing was, right at the start of the game, the Billy Boys was sung. Now, obviously, there was no Celtic fans in the stadium. I defy anyone to make out clearly exactly what every single lyric is said when you're watching it on TV. See? I defy anyone. See, before we go on, Derek, I can swear 
on whatever that you want me to swear on, and I text you as well at the same time. In that game, I was standing in in the Copeland Road, and I stood because I stood the whole game in the Copeland Road, and I can honestly tell you that I never heard that song getting sung once throughout the whole game. And I've been told by many people it was heard on the TV. But I can honestly tell you that coming for the Copeland Road, I never heard that song getting sung once, not throughout the whole game. And that is what I was shocked about when I heard so many people saying that they could hear it on the TV. Because I honestly, for it being an old firm game and it being all Rangers supporters there, I never heard any songs getting sung like that that anybody could take as being hate-filled or sectarian or anything like that. I can honestly hold my hand up and say that. I mean, this is going to come into something I'll talk about later as well, is the fact that that song was sung very briefly. And as I said, I couldn't tell you if the the pertinent word that makes it an allegedly banned song was sung. And I think Super Rangers was sung very briefly as well. And again, same applies. I cannot honestly tell you if that certain word was sung. And that thought kind of falls into the realms of well, is it a case of if that song is sung without that word in it, does that mean that it's not a banned song? It's not a bad song to sing. Celtic fans especially latch on to the, the, the first few words or the first wee tune of it and they think, oh, that's a banned song, they've been banned, they shouldn't be singing that, right? So that's one thing I'll, I'll you know, come back I've to heard, as well. I've, I've heard, Derek, as well, and we've spoken about this before, I've, I've heard Kilmarnock fans sing their own verse to that song. They're using the Kelly Boys as the you know, and I've heard them sing that many, many times, and us getting blamed for for, for for singing it. I've heard Hearts fans sing that song as well before, but it's true, Derek. If it was sung or the first chorus was sang, and then the vast majority of supporters out there changed what everybody was singing because they knew that it wasn't the right thing to do. That as well paints a huge p- picture on the whole thing, showing everybody. That, that, that there's the responsible fans out there and, and they want to change the culture and they want to change you know, the things that are getting sung. That is, is excellent. Well, the next thing that came out is a video appeared of what allegedly was the Union Bears walking along Argyle Street under the rail bridge singing the famine song. Now, what was being sung was certainly the tune of the famine song. I couldn't make out again the lyrics, the, the exact lyrics were said. Some said it was famine, some said it was party. I'm not too sure. Another video came out from just before they went under the tunnels, exact same thing again. Police were walking alongside them as well, and that's been confirmed that the police were walking alongside Mm -hmm. the Union Bears, escorting them there. The audio for both the videos was certainly questionable. Now, taxis went past, there was no engine noise at all. There was a wind noise, but there was no engine noise. Lots of clapping was heard, however, only two or three were seen clapping. And the singing stayed the exact same level as they walked past when from when they were far away. Questionable audio. Now, six people, I think, has now went up to eight people arrested. That was initially three. Then there was another three today. Then there's been another two tonight. The original three have been banned from Ibrox indefinitely. Rangers put out a statement saying that they've been working with the police in relation to that. They've, those three individuals have been written to and they've been banned indefinitely. People calling into question the videos we've seen online are correct because it's certainly it's questionable, as I said. However, one thing I would like to say is that the officers walking alongside them will likely have had body-worn cameras on them. And I would like to think, anyway, for the club to act and for those to be identified, I can only assume that there's irrefutable proof that those arrested have done what they've said they've done. And the only way I can think of that is is the officers know the people involved and can corroborate that and or 
body-worn cameras can corroborate what was being sung and by who as well. I just think the whole thing seems very, very strange because yep. the famine song hasn't been sung by Rangers fans in years. You've never seen it on any videos. And, uh, and, and again, Derek, going back to, to what I said there, I, I took my hat off to, to the Union Bears inside the, the, the stadium for keeping the songs going and keeping, you, you know, the, 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 everybody going. There was nothing offensive getting sung at all, you know, that they guys were, were doing. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm finding that difficult to believe as well. You know, but going with what you're saying, there must be some sort of proof there for the club to act on that. Uh, there, there, there has to be something, but I'm very surprised. I mean, the thing is, what kind of idiot do you need to be to sing that kind of stuff while the cops are right beside you? Yeah. I, yep. This is what makes me think, no, that surely can't be right. Folk can't be that stupid. I mean, the police have been very open about their tactics, saying unless it's violent, they may not arrest you there and then, and we will then view our footage later and then identify the people and then make arrests afterwards. And that absolutely makes sense when you're doing crowd control from that point of view, because if they waited and arrest a couple in a group, there may be well chaos. Exactly, yeah, yeah, I know that. I, I know that. It's uh, as, as I say, if, going by what you said, there must be some sort of proof there for, for the club to take action like that. I mean, that's the thing. That that said, if those fans have actually really genuinely done this, then I have no sympathy for you whatsoever. You, you're quite simply an idiot that doesn't care about the club or fellow fans. However, I would still like to see if that is that turns out yeah. to be correct, because I'll get into a few things here. On the back of this, though, there have been the targeted outcry from the usual suspects. Hamza Youssef, James Dornan, Michael Stewart, Graham Spears, all the usual people jumped in before anything was investigated, calling for the club to do something. Nobody could answer my question or anybody else's question about what do you want the club to do about exactly. fans miles away from the stadium. It's a private company who do not have control over what an individual gets up to. If you want the club to do that, then you're basically admitting that your own failure as, as a government then, if that's the case. One of the police chiefs waded in as well, stating that their investigation is underway, but condemned the actions. However, again... Surely, if an investigation is underway, you cannot Don't condemn... Don't say exactly. You yeah. can't say anything until the findings are there, Derek, which is really either extremely unprofessional or there's something else at play here. You're prejudging it then. And all that had to be said in that, because it's not the first time that, that one of the chiefs have waded in in terms of this, after our celebrations as well, all that had to be said is, we are aware of the videos, we're currently investigating, no further comment will be, be made at this point. It's as simple as that. The outcry from the media and the, the politicians and the, the, such like and the arrest prompted the Union Bears to issue a statement. Again, I'm not really a fan of fan groups issuing statements like that, but what they did intimate in that was that those who were arrested were not charged with any racial breach or anything to do with racism. Now, I know there was a report of one or a few of arrests at Paisley Road West while marching to the game, so I don't know if it's been that. At the same time as well, they also made a wild claim that the, the police told each of the three initial arrested that they'll come down hard on them to make up for police failures at the, the George Square celebrations. I wasn't obviously there for the, to, to hear them say that, and I can't say for sure, but I find that very hard to believe, to be honest. All of this was then met with a few posts in the whole ACAB thing. To be honest, see, when you start posting that crap, you'll lose your argument. Yep, completely. Yep. Then I posted a comment to James Dornan about what else do you actually want the club to do and what are you particularly doing about it because all you're doing is grandstanding on Twitter just now. I was met by Celtic fans claiming that the word hun isn't sectarian. 
Then another fan tried to have a go. And then another Rangers fan piped up and found a tweet that that person had said and he'd used Hun in a derogatory way. Mm-hmm. And do you know what his comeback was, Dave? Well, well, I'm a Protestant, so I get to use it. <laughs> Quite incredible. Quite so that's incredible. It. Derek, it all comes down to perception. That's the way that I un- understand it. If you perceive it to be sectarian if you perceive it to be the and it's, it's classed as a hate crime is that no you, you, yep. you, you know the way that it's, it all, all, all comes down to perception that word gets bandied about I actually had a go at a young laddie who plays in my son's fo- fo- football team for, for using that word and I told him that that could be seen as being you know a, a, a hate crime and he, he just k- k- kind of laughed it off don't know if it comes down to parenting or, or whatever and it gets used and, 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 and bandied about there, Derek. It's just as bad as anything else that, that, that you could say because it all comes down to perception. And if that that's their derogatory word for, for, for using t- towards us, then of course it is. Yeah. But uh, as I've said it, before, Dave, like with a lot of racist language, the origins of the word doesn't need to be, you know, a hate crime based language. But since it's been used in a derogatory term, then that means it is a hate crime. Another post here is a a bit at Graham Spears. I don't know why I did. But I I also tweeted a video of Celtic fans in a pub singing pro-IRA add-ons and fuck the Queen add-ons as well. One fan tried to justify the IRA bombings. Which I'll is, see that yeah, again. Yeah. One yep. fan mm-hmm. tried to justify the IRA bombings. One fan tried to claim, well, the Celtic song has been sung about players of a particular era and the IRA were good and non-violent back then and they were basically flower boys. No, that doesn't work, Queen, No, it, no. It's 2021 and you're singing about the IRA. It doesn't matter what era. The whole, we're not sectarian, we're political, doesn't wash with me, Derek, and that's what they all try to use these, the, you know, just justification to some of the things that get said. I hate all this he, he says and she says stuff, Derek, but it is. Going back to that particular word, if you perceive it to be offensive, then it's offensive and it's, you, you know, it's, it's a hate crime. End, end, end of story. Shook Evans was on Clyde pontificating about surely, how his... Gr- sure, surely oh. Hugh did, didn't he weigh in, Derek? Surely uh, not. Yes, but he was pontificating about uh, his grandfather was one of those Irish Catholics that came over during the famine and he was deeply offended by that. Hugh, that's absolutely fine. You can be offended at that. I have no issues with that whatsoever. That's okay, Hugh. But the IRA nearly blown up my dad before I was even born. So how about you call out your fellow fans for glorifying terrorism then? You know, that's the kind of shit we're on about. Bearing in mind, all the while, the press are still smarting at the whole, the fact that they're clearly hurt by Rangers charging them for access. So there was a barrage of negative and uneven press as well. I'll give an example, and it was a bad video. A Rangers fan attacks another Rangers fan. He got glassed. However, there was a brawl outside a Celtic pub, but that was called football fans brawl outside a pub on Old Firm Day. The pub Again, was Connolly's Irish bar and those that were fighting all had Celtic tops on. Another one here, Morellis hopes he leaves Rangers soon was the headline. <laughs> That's utter bollocks because when you actually read the article, he says, you know, there, there was um, you know talks with Porto, nothing materialised, but I'm very happy here. I love it here, yep. blah, blah, blah. So moving it away there from the, the sectarians, that's all down to this media witch hunt against Rangers and the, the whole... They can't wait to find the weirdest fault, which they blow out a complete proportion yep. as well. But again, no, Derek, we've been speaking about this for years, but it's now coming to a head 
you know, very dangerously and aggressively coming to a head. And a lot of it comes down to the fact that Rangers have done what they should have done a long time ago, and that's don't allow them access because the amount of negative stories and negative spin that they've put on our club for years and years now, Rangers have done the right thing and they quite, you know, clearly cannot handle the fact that they're going to have to pay to come into Ibrox and, you know, they're, they're not doing it in, in any, you know, content, real content. They all know that the fans now go to the people who are, you know, giving them an accurate account of what's going on at their club and not just the usual drivel that, the, you know, the mainstream media are putting out and they really just can't take it, Derek. That's what it all comes down to. It's very, very petty stuff. But unfortunately, and I'm sure, you know, you're going to get into that as well, it's becoming really, really ugly and it's it's going to come ahead very soon. Well, funny you should mention that because obviously... The next thing to talk about is really where it has came ahead is the Mark McGovern hit piece today in the Daily Record. I'm not going to go over it again in full because it's all out there. Everybody's yep, talking everybody about it. Everybody knows now. about it, yep. This will rumble on and I think this is going to have wider ramifications for the Daily Record especially. But by their own admission, some of the language used in the tweets was unacceptable. There's no yep. getting away from that. Nobody yep. can condone it whatsoever. Yep. And they've even stepped down from heart and hand from it. Yep. But some of the tweets were 10 years ago. Now, everyone has said and done something in their life that was wrong and regrettable. And, you know, you apologise and you move on. And there might be some fallout, but the point is, if it was yesterday they said it, you can absolutely have a point. It was just said. It was lifetime. But these are tweets going back 10 years ago. They were 10 years younger, 10 years more inexperienced in life. The piece that Mark McGovern done is a targeted attack on individuals for no other reason than because of the team they support and the fact that they represent a new form of media which is beginning to dwarf the old media such as the red tops like the daily record if that is not targeted abuse i do not know what is there's a lot of rumblings tonight that senior people within the the, the daily record heads are rolling because that this has been a targeted attack on civilians basically yes they are now in a position but they're still fan media they're just general fans. Yep, they are not completely. They are not media credited yep. or anything like that. They are not sportsmen. They are not officials or anything like that. They are just general people. And you have went trolling through their social media accounts to find the minutest wee thing. Granted, it was wrong. Again, no getting away from that. But it was up to 10 years ago. Some of them, they were less than that. Some of it was deplorable, absolutely. But when you go after just general civilians in your job, like he's done, Mark McGovern, that steps over a line. Time and time again, we have kowtowed to demands that we act on our behaviour. We have complied. For every time we've complied, though, there's always a well done, but. Well done, but. Michael Stewart's tweets over the last couple of days are an, a, a complete testament to that fact there as well. Because after the after the two guys in the bus got banned by the club, he said, well done. But, but he went on yep. to something else. He'd done the same again twice in relation to what Rangers' actions are. Sectarianism is not a one-way street. Scottishness, Britishness and Protestantism has been victim just as much as Irishness and Catholicism. The problem we have in this country, though, is one group shouts about their offendedness, the other group doesn't and just gets on with it. I'm not going to get into semantics about racism or sectarianism. 
people are trying to change sectarianism and anti racism and etc. And they've got they claim it is, it is sectarian when it's actually really not, and, and vice versa. However, there is a clear bias in the way attacks on one group are reported and dealt with to the way that other group are dealt with. And that's, there's irrefutable evidence now about that. Nobody from the government to the police to the media are prepared to sit down and have an adult conversation about it when you try and highlight the bias in reporting. All you get is, nah, not dealing with this because it's just what about it. Now, the point I was making earlier about nobody prepared to sit and have a conversation about it is if you sing the Billy Boys up until that offensive word, does that mean and you change the offensive word, does that mean the song is still technically meant to be banned? If you're changing well, the offensive word? Derek, I remember, I don't know if you want to keep, keep this in, I know Derek, it's up to you, but I remember when Rangers were going through all of their financial troubles just before everything, you know, came, came to a head with us, uh, you know, and the, the club went into administration. I heard a lot of guys singing that song. Instead of using the words which are offensive, they changed it to up to our knees in legal fees. Now, is that, you know, this is, I think, the point that you're trying to make. Is that then offensive? Because yeah. we're, talk, we're talking about our own troubles there. So I agree with you as, as well that way. And uh, Until these words are sung, I realise that that song is associated with those words I go back to the club though, Derek. I'm with the club have made huge strides in eradicating this for the support. I really do. Yeah. Uh, and you know, you're quite right, Derek. Until you know, words are actually you know said. Is it offensive? You know, if if, if the words are changed, like the Kilmarnock fans singing, "We are the Killy Boys," is that? Is is there people that are going to take offence at that when there's absolutely no sectarian? content in it whatsoever as you know is that with us but unfortunately for us it's going to we're going to be tarred with that if that song has sung or muttered in any way sh- sh- shape or form which again I keep, I keep repeating myself Derek I genuinely did, didn't hear it get, getting sung when I was there but it's you're quite right there Derek is that what it is now it's just if, if, if that if those first five or six words are sung in any context, is it going to be then classed as being sectarian? Well, that that's what nobody knows. Uh, nobody's got a songbook. I mean, granted, we all kind of know the songs that shouldn't be sung, but, gr- yes. but it's because, of, because it's one, one word. And here's the thing, it's one word. I mean, talking about the famine song, for instance, I, I can't remember the actual real tune it is. Angela Haggerty claimed one time somebody was whistling that tune and claimed it was sectarian against her and, and racist against her. Well, somebody was whistling. There was no lyrics to it. So how that can be classed as sectarian or racist or whatever, I, I just don't get that. So this is about having adult conversations about it. And just like sex, sectarianism sells for the media. And that is the big problem. They love this kind of thing because it is sensationalism at the end of the day. However, what has been uncovered by David Edgar and other fans They've uncovered several social media posts from the likes of the the writer of that monstrosity report, Mark McGovern, from Paul Sweeney, the Labour MP, who claimed that the the heart and hand should be basically suspended from their position within Ibrox. Jane Hamilton, reporter for the Daily Record, the girl from a Celtic state of mind who is never off Sky Sports. Granted, she is technically a civilian. Somebody says she's in the legal profession. I don't know that, but she's certainly given a prominent media place as well. All prominent figures from 
their side and their fans which show their rank hypocrisy in their voting because you never know anything about this. You, they've all said the exact same thing, the same words that we've highlighted before, the three-letter words, that it's a derogatory term for Rangers fans and Protestants, and nothing is said about that. That is, people within their own organisation, within the Daily Record, have used that language. Nothing was said about it at the time. And it's not finished yet as well because David Edgar stated in his, one of his last updates that he was going to the police and the ombudsman or whoever they were for the relevant areas for these people and he's going to basically create a shitstorm. Tonight there's been further things uncovered as well. There looks like there's been a whistleblower account uh, only set up within the last month and only following 15 accounts. Funnily that it's 15 accounts all Celtic minded and funny that the tweets that have been put out there are all the ones that appear in the report as well. So there's certainly a lot more to come of this there's a lot apparently of deleting of tweets of certain individuals that have been highlighted by david edgar and others there's um as i said there's apparently a bit of a shit storm if, if reports are right just now in the daily record because of the way this has been handled but by the way dave did you also know that jim torbett case was up in court this week as well no i didn't derek yeah no, I didn't. To, to face further further sexual abuse charges and frank kearney again is also up to face further charges next week you would think that that would be mainstream news in Scotland, Derek. You would think, yes. But in this country, words from tweets 10 years ago that nobody complained about at the time matter more than the systematic sustained abuse and subsequent cover-up that's gone on at a certain club for decades. What have all those people in prominent positions I've previously mentioned got in common? Derek, I didn't know anything about what you've just said there about what has been happening this week. That is what the real story in Scotland should be. That's what should be getting highlighted. That's what journalists should be covering. That's, you know, it's something to make sure something like that never, ever happens again. For all the victims, all the people, I mean, we, we, we keep getting told, oh, you're not interested in, in the victims. Of, co of, of course we are. The victims of these guys must be looking at the newspapers just now and saying, why the hell are we not getting national coverage here? Why are these absolute scum at earth that don't deserve to be walking amongst us not plastered all over the front page of a newspaper. I mean that surely, and it's it's not the case. It's as absolute as it's, it's an absolute joke. On the the point of the the, the, the heart and hand guys, Derek, we have you know a, a lot of respect for these guys. We know how hard they work, and you know we're shocked about what's actually happened today. As you say, we're not going to condone the tweets that have went out at all. Uh, you know. That's that's something that they're going to have to live with. But, you know, Heart and Hand itself has been a cornerstone for Rangers fans. It's been a shining light to, to Rangers fans, especially in the darkest of times. We've got the utmost respect for what the guys do and what they've brought to the fans out there. Like I said, I can't say anything about, you know, the tweets that have actually happened. That is something I'll, I'll, I'll never condone. And, and like I said, they're going to have to, to, to live with that. And it's, it's cost them their, their positions with that podcast is a tough one for those guys but as you say I'm sure David Edgar is going to be firing back soon and uh, you know I think it's going to be one of these that we're going to be watching this space yeah, uh, to see what happens but yeah I mean this is going to rumble on I hope this is where 
lines get drawn now because this has went on far too much. There's too many people in prominent positions. I don't care if these people in prominent positions support Celtic. That's their right. They can choose who they want. I don't care if you're, you know, what sexuality, what race, what religion you are. As long as you treat everybody else fairly, as long as you treat us fairly, and you, you even-handedly dish out punishments as well as reporting. That's all that we. That's all any Rangers fan has ever asked for. Rangers fans, on the whole, just now, will condemn anything untoward. And yep. you've seen it over the last week or so. Yep. It's now about time the media give us a fair shot. It's now about time the authorities give us a fair shot as well. Because we've done more than the government in the last 20 years to try and stamp this out. Because we all know that Offensive Behaviour Act was an absolute sham. And it was doing nothing other than boosting the egos of certain politicians to make them think as if they were actually doing something good. When it was actually just a case of it was hindering existing policies which were yeah. dealing, dealing with yep. the job properly. Definitely. So, I think you've covered everything very well there, Derek. You've made your feelings known. I'm sure every other Rangers fan out there and every other sensible, sane person out there will see exactly what's happening as well. Uh, and as you say, I, 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 we, we hope, we've been talking about our treatment by the media, Derek, for as long as we've been doing this podcast. And we've, we've kept saying it's never going to change. It's It's got worse. We knew... Rangers' sudden resurgence back to being champions was going to really, really, really hurt a lot of people. We knew there was going to be backlash, but this has just been quite incredible. So we hope that there has been lines drawn exactly like what you said, and the sort of saying people can start taking you know charge. And it's been really, really difficult to watch and quite incredible as well. I could just hope that things are going to change now. Yeah. So. To wrap up the games, as it were, because that was we're kind of taking a big tangent from the actual section we're meant to be doing. But we've played four, won three, drawn zero, lost one, scored eight, conceded three, goal difference plus five, points nine. Celtic, on that other hand, have played four and lost two of them. So, you know, this is the great season that they're meant to be having as well. Games to come in September, Saturday the 11th September, away to St Johnston in the Premiership. That's a 12.30 kickoff. Thursday the 16th of September at home to Lyon in the Europa League Group A Game 1. That's at 8pm kickoff. Sunday the 19th of September at home to Motherwell in the Premiership, 1500 kickoff. And on Wednesday the 22nd of September at home to Livingston in the League Cup. That's a 1945 kickoff as well. So more big games coming up. Yep, de- definitely, Derek. And and going back, that one game against Dundee United where we really did, didn't play well. You know, if 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 it hadn't hadn't it been for that, you know, we'd have got the wee victory there. We'd have been sitting pretty just now. But we've got to got to take it, Derek. And like I said at the start, we were talking about the the transfers and retaining our first team squad, bar a, a couple of players. I hope that now all the transfer talk is now finished that the players will be 100% focused and you'll get, you know, we'll get to see the Rangers, you know, from last season. And certainly starting to look a bit more like it in the last game against Celtic there. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful now, Derek. Yes. So we'll now move on to the classic match. And then it is. The final whistle's gone. Rangers have won the European Cup Winners' Cup. So, Dave, you've got a demolition of an Edinburgh team to cover, haven't you? I certainly do, Derek. I'm going back to 1999, the 7th of August, 1999 to be precise where we took on Hearts 
Now, the Rangers team that day, Stefan Kloss, Sergio Perini, Craig Moore, Lorenzo Amoruso, and my man, Big T, Tony Vidmar. Midfield for Rangers was Barry Ferguson, George Alberts, Claudio Reyna, and Jonathan Johansson. And up front for Rangers, Michael Malls and Rod Wallace. Hearts team that day had uh, players Gilles Rousset, Gary Naismith, Kevin James, the unacceptable face of Scottish football, Steve Fulton, Stefan Adam, Flogal, Colin Cameron, Darren Jackson, to name but a few. So Rangers starting off on the front foot, an early chance for Rangers. Great passing play. Michael Malls to Rod Wallace, out to George Alberts on the left wing. He has one of his trademark shots, but unfortunately just over the bar, fizzing over the top of Gildrissi there. Well, on the 13th minute, Rangers take the early lead. Here's Malls. There's a lovely little ball on to Rena. Can he chip the goalkeeper? He does! Straight through it goes, and this most intelligent player yet again set up a chance for himself as he did last week at Ibrox almost reminiscent of the goal he scored against Kilmarnock neat intelligent play well backed up by Michael Moles I said that he chipped the goalkeeper in fact he kept it down and it went straight through Claudio Reyna gets on the ball at the halfway line. He plays the ball to Malls. Claudio Reyna keeps running and Malls and Reyna with the perfect one-two. Reyna into the box and basically just passes the ball, strokes it past Rousset underneath his legs into the back of the net. Fantastic start for Rangers there. Then a few minutes after that, Rod Wallace gets the ball on the right wing. He puts a great cross which is blocked straight out to Sergio Perini at the edge of the box. Not known for his goal scoring. He hits a shot but well wide of Rousset's left post. Then another chance, Rod Wallace again playing on the right wing. He was sort of switching between uh, Wallace there and uh, Claudio Reyna. Uh, on, on the right wing but Wallace on the right wing out to Sergio Perini he puts a great ball into the feet of Mi- Michael Walls and the skill's unbelievable turns one way then he turns another hits a fantastic shot and a great save equaled by Gilles Rousset to get the ball to defender and cleared really unlucky there Michael Walls just tremendous and then the first real chance for Hearts was a tame header Straight Stefan Kloss from a long cross in for the left-hand side. Easy one there for the German goalkeeper. Hearts again, though. Long ball into the box. It was headed down by Steve Fulton into the path of Stefan Adam, who heads the ball towards goal. But a fantastic diving save by Stefan Kloss and out for the corner to keep it still 1-0 to Rangers. And then Hearts then putting the pressure on. They could smell blood. And it's Stefan Kloss again to the rescue as he runs out and slides in to win a 50-50 there with Darren Jackson manages to clear the ball and then just before half time Rangers get the second Ball's going in in the box and he tries the ball and a finish superb goal he's deserved it for the way he's played in this game rattling it in from an almost impossible angle no wonder they're delighted with that he was at the heart of the first Rangers goal and now he decides, I'm going to have one myself. Barry Ferguson, he collects the ball in his own half and then a fantastic long ball for Michael Moggs to chase down on the right wing. He controls, runs into the box and just smashes it low past Gilles Rousset into the back of the net. Supreme striking there by Michael Moggs. Accuracy, power, touch. This was when Derek before Michael Moles got injured, 
he was going to, he, you know, at that stage, he was looking as if he was going to be one of the greatest players that's ever played for us. It was absolutely sensational. And into the second half, a long ball played up to Jonathan Johansson on the left wing. He puts in a fantastic cross into the back of the box. It's Claudio Reyna shoots, really unlucky, just over the bar. And then great play by Michael Moggs. Skill, unbelievable. He picks up the ball just inside the Hearts half on the right wing, skips past two players, then he completely turns, leaves another player for absolute dead, plays the ball into Barry Ferguson, who then plays the ball to George Alberts, who dummies it back to Michael Moss, who kept running. He picks the ball up, a low cross into the box, but cleared just before it hits down at the back post. It was just sensational play. But then, not long after that, in the 67th minute, we get the third goal. Here's Moles. Turns away. Tries to get it through, and there's a jammer with a glorious strike. All the speed work done again by Moles, and just a fraction of the little break there to Alberts to slot it home. And I think this puts the game beyond any possible dispute. Now, here's his opportunity that crept up after Moles had disorientated that defence again. And he kept it down low. That was the main advantage here for Alberts didn't have much time to think as it was struck back towards him clean as a whistle and it's Moles this time, he's everywhere he's on the left hand wing this time runs inside, tries to get a shot, shot away, he's tackled but the ball falls perfectly to George Alberts and he doesn't miss for there fires in the low shot past Rousset, make it 3-0 Rangers in complete control and then only six minutes later we get another goal Wallace been robbing from left to right there's the header, oh what a goal Reina popping up out of the blue he couldn't stop, goes into the very warm embrace of the supporters his second goal in the game his third since the season has started his alertness his insight and his timing all combining there to put Rangers in that luxurious position of an away game. Four goals in front. Fantastic play again. The ball out to Rod Wallace on the left-hand side. He puts the most perfect cross into the box and Claudio Reyna just runs to the edge of the box doesn't even have to jump. The ball goes right in front of him and he steams a header past Rousset, into the corner, 4-0 Rangers, tremendous play. Then another chance there, Barry Ferguson in the halfway line, he runs, feeds Malls into the box, he turns his man, gives it back to Ferguson at the edge of the box, he hits the shot, but just over the bar, that would have been sensational. And then the last chance for Rangers, Michael Malls again, he really was tremendous, at the edge of the box, a low pass to the edge of the box, on the right, to Darius Adamchuk, who came on as a sub, he hits the low drive, it's just inches wide of Rousset it finished 4-0 Rangers it could have been a hell of a lot more please if you get the chance to go back and watch Michael Moles when he first signed for Rangers in this game it was they, they could not get anywhere near him simply sensational don't know if you had the chance to go back and watch it Derek but it was a joy to watch Michael Moles play when he was in that forum one of the number of players that were wrecked by injury at Rangers who were going to be amazing. But, you know, it was another game, though. Hearts, it was back in the day when we would absolutely pump Hearts, really. You know, and now it's, we're, we're struggling to beat them sometimes. So it'll be an interesting game come the next time we play them. Sure. pump them the next time, Derek. Well, don't you worry. Time. Hopefully, yes. So, But, yeah, good times as well. 4-0, can't argue with that.
great great game to watch. So it looked like I said, we, we always go on about players like Al Berts and Reina and Barry Ferguson and stuff like that. But just to watch Michael Malls in full flight, you know, when he was fully fully fit for Rangers, he was just a joy to watch. Absolutely sensational. Yes. So Dave will have another classic match the next episode, hopefully anyway. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's now on to the news. You never let that go, do you? No, absolutely not. Never will. Lazy bastard. It's happened twice in like nine years. You never let it go. It's shocking. You lazy jammy bastard. (laughs) So only a couple of stories to cover because obviously we covered the the main one earlier on. But Rangers, the share issue raised £4.5 million. The target was 6.75, so a wee bit off it, but still an incredible amount raised by fans as well. Yep, brilliant stuff. Yep. The cinch issue with the SPFL is was set to go to arbitration. However, Douglas Park lodged an appeal and managed to get that stopped as he is an interested party. And given it's his business and the appeal was based around all interested parties, he should have been present. So it's a temporary injunction to stop the arbitration. So guessing it will be rescheduled. However, it's still in limbo now. Rangers released a statement on the back of this, slamming the governance of the SPFL. And all this didn't need to happen. However, the SPFL's approach has been in inadequate and antagonistic so kind of what we were talking about you know towards yep. the end of the the band the, the season when they they cancelled it wasn't it just yeah inadequate. exactly yeah yep. rangers obviously when they're qualifying for the europa league announced the prices for the three game package 117 pound for the three games celtics is 72 so i generally don't think 117 pound is too bad yes it is maybe on the steep side i think it's 39 pound a game or something like that I think people are comparing it to Celtic's far too much. I mean, Celtic, granted, they have got 10,000 more in their capacity, but the, also the demand isn't as much for, for Celtic as well. I think they still end up eventually getting it, but that's only because they lower the prices. So, you know, as the point I made is the fact that we never sold any of our key players. So what would you rather have? Drop the price by 20, 30 quid and have to sell a player or keep it at the fairly reasonable price and not sell a player it's really up to you you can't really have a go at the club that much for that it's a difficult one Derek I can see where the club are coming from I can also see people saying it's a bit on the steep side it's uh, the club are caught here I'm sure everybody will go out and buy the tickets regardless Derek so you know the club will you know I'll I'll, I'll win in in, in the end but I mean I, I can see it both ways uh, as as a very d- difficult one, I don't like the comparison to what they do. Whatever they, they they do, I really don't care what they do. I want what's best for, for the club. And as you say, we have managed to retain the team that won the title just a couple of months ago, which is you know was imperative for us. So it is, it is a bit steep, but I can see why the club have done it, and it's it's only going to be for the better of the team. Yep. And the last piece of news I've got here is Castor are set to open their own store in Buchanan Street this month, selling both their own stuff and some Ranger stuff as well. So it'll be good to see, good to walk into and promptly walk out after seeing the prices. Do we know where about in Buchanan Street? I take it's not the site that the current Ranger store is is in in Buchanan Street. Is it going to be, I suppose that's not Buchanan Street, it's it's Sucky Hall Street, but it's at the top of Buchanan Street. So... uh, 
Are you, any, any idea where it's going to be, or do you, is it just the fact that it just says Buchanan Street? Just Buchanan Street. I think, right. I think they did say, but I don't know exactly where. But right. um, okay, certainly be good to see, and uh, as I said, bulk at some of the prizes as well. But good, good, um, good coverage they're getting. Yes. Certainly. Yep. Definitely. Yep. So, couple's anniversary meal hilariously interrupted by a nudist cruise. Okay. A couple had their romantic anniversary meal hilariously interrupted when a boat full of nudists whizzed past them. John Wood, God, come on, that's surely not <laughs> Exactly, yeah, I know. Could have been Richard, I suppose. <laughs> and his wife were enjoying a lovely dinner at the e- River X Cafe, a floating gastro shed on the X estuary in Devon, which boasts dining with a difference. Well, it certainly fucking did that. Night, didn't it? All right, okay. <laughs> but they got more than they bargained for when a nudist cruise rocked up on the river as they tucked into their meal. They looked up to see a large group of naked strangers waving at them from the deck. <laughs> what exactly were they waving? <laughs> Show offs if they were weaving, that's what I can say. Aye. The the passing cruise was an event run by the Torbay Sun Club's annual nude cruise, which kicked off at 7 pm on Friday the 23rd of July after setting sail from Exmouth Docks. John said that general reaction in the restaurant was thankfully a positive one as others funny, saw the funny side. He told Devon Live, My wife and I were having a lovely anniversary dinner at the River X Cafe when we caught sight of a boat full of naked people travelling slowly. <laughs> Reaction in the restaurant was mostly amused and concerned for their health as the wind was getting up. <laughs> Luckily, that's the only thing that was. <laughs> oh, Mr. Woods, oh, that dear. is a classic line. Right, right, there. right, well, Derek, I've got one for you here. Are you, are you ready oh, for this one? I've, I hope you have, Native. <laughs> <laughs> Man attempts to relieve constipation by putting an eel up his bum. Oh, man. Yes, you've read the headline right. He actually tried putting a living thing up his backside in an attempt to relieve pain and you'll never guess what he could have died from it according to reports the incident took place last month in Jingua, eastern china we love these chinese stories derek and the man claimed it was an old folk remedy that helped with bowel movements Things got worse when the eel moved from his rectum into his colon, <laughs> to which it then chewed through it. Oh, the man dear. went straight to the hospital with this issue as he was too shy to visit his local doctor. Surgeons had to remove the eel, which was still alive, but informed the man that he could have died from hemolysis, which is the deconstruction of red blood cells after they are compromised by bacteria. There you go. An eel up the bum. I am both amused and horrified at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> and, and on that note, <laughs> it's time to say goodbye. So, as ever, you can go to our website, which is iReadyPodcast.wordpress.com. I still haven't updated it. I don't know when I'll get time to do it, to be honest. I'm just too busy these days. Um, but you can go to iReadyPodcast.wordpress.com. So, Dave, international break. Scotland got pumped again. I don't care about the game. <laughs> I, never, I, never, I never even watched it, Derek, no. to be perfectly honest with you. I never even I knew, knew it was on. I knew it was going to happen. And it's not like me because I usually watch it. But while that man is in charge of Scotland, I really, really have lost all faith, which I had, it was already low on anyway. Uh, but I'm really, it's, uh, until that man goes, I've, I've lost all interest c- c- completely in it. And that's unfortunate because I always did 
watch Scotland when they played and cheer, cheer them on, but he, he really has taken the absolute wind out, out of my sails when it comes to watching the international team. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Yes. So there'll be obviously a lot to, to cover in the next one. There's going to be a hell of a lot of fallout, as we've said, from from the Daily Record. Apparently they're all locking their own private Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts up just now. I think heads are going to roll for this because there's a lot of tweets that are getting uncovered that that say rank hypocrisy is getting found out. So right. we'll watch this space. One more thing, Derek. We are only... 42 followers away from 3,000 followers and that for us is, is huge so eh, anybody listening that's, that doesn't follow us on Twitter please get, give us a wee follow we, we really really appreciate it and it's, uh, it's, it's the most uh, you, you know the amount of fans that we could ever dream of having and potential listeners to the podcast as well so thanks very much for everyone who is following us because we've had a lot of uh, people following us especially in the last sort of 24 hours where followers seem to have went up. I think the Rangers fans are finally waking up to uh, the fact that they want more fan-based media than, than anything else, which is great. So, Yes, the 3,000th um, follower won't get anything because we don't have anything to get. So <laughs> thank you if you are that one, but sorry. We'll give, we'll give you a mention. There yes, you yes. <laughs> so on that note... Oh, dear. Thanks for listening <laughs> and goodbye. Yeah, take care, folks. Bye bye. And the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go.